Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Shoot to Make podcast with Dennis Stanton, episode 24. I want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. As always, our mission is to talk about the journeys of successful high school, collegiate, professional basketball players and coaches in hopes to provide a platform for others to learn and grow. We have a very special guest today who's experienced tremendous success at the high school, collegiate, and professional level. St. Joe's Prep's all-time leading scorer at University of Notre Dame standout and a three-year European professional, Steve Vastoria. Welcome to the show, Steve. Thanks for having me on, Dennis. Really excited. Yeah, man, I appreciate you carving out time here today. Um, so how are you doing? Obviously, you're, you're in your third year of European basketball uh, as a professional, and you, you hear that you have to come home. Can you? What have you been up to? How did the season end for you? Yeah, obviously, it's been a crazy time. I think everybody can attest to that. But uh, I've been home for about a month now. And, um, yeah, our season was kind of just going along, as you would expect. And, uh, you know, we were hit with this uh kind of pandemic that everyone's dealing with and we uh we canceled practice i think on a friday and and had a team meeting this was right after the nba um shut down so um i think once right right when the nba shut down you know everybody kind of took notice from that and then we immediately stopped practice um the league was suspended in, in germany where i was playing um and i kind of waited it out for about a week and then um, you know, people started filing out. So I, I hopped on a flight as, as soon as I could. Yeah, that's, it's incredible. And uh, what team were you playing for? Were you with Alba this year? No, I was with Rasta Vecta. Um, I, I was with Alba um, two years ago, my first year. But uh, Rasta Vecta, um, probably a smaller club. But, um, yeah, I mean, we were doing pretty well. Was, uh, I, had a, I had a really good experience there so far. That's awesome. Yeah, it's it's no playbook, um, no no kind of uh, recipe for any of this, um, especially uh, when you're living abroad and trying to get a flight home. I mean, that's that's scary in and of itself. Um, yeah. But those of our listeners, I think most of our listeners know who you are from your incredible career at St. Joe's Prep and, and Notre Dame. Um, and uh, I got to know you as I coached your brother Pat at her sinus, who was mm-hmm. also an awesome three point shooter and just a great person to coach. Um, but yeah. I'm just I'm going to walk our listeners through what you accomplished real quickly before we dive into where it all started. Um, so so yeah. Steve is a 2013 graduate of St. Joe's Prep, uh, where he absolutely crushed it. Uh, he's one of the best players in the history of the Catholic League, three-time first-team All-Catholic, two-time first-team All-State, two-time Philadelphia Catholic League Player of the Year. He was Gatorade Player of the Year his senior year, and his jersey's uh, been retired. Uh, and 2017 graduate of Notre Dame, where he scored over 1,400 points. Career averages of 10 points, three rebounds, two assists, uh, playing 32 minutes a game. He finished his career at Notre Dame, ranked second in free throw percentage, second in games played, third in consecutive starts, 10th in three-point field goals attempted, uh, 14th in steals, 18th in assists, and 22nd in scoring. He's the second player at Notre Dame to score 1,000 points and 300 assists and shoot over 85% from the free throw line. I think the other player is Chris Thomas. He had a tryout with the Sixers, and he just finished his third year playing pro. He's played in Germany for two years and Spain for a year at the highest of levels. And I think aside from all this, that's a mouthful because you've done so much. Um, you know, I think everyone that knows you in our area and the extended area knows what a humble person you are and a great teammate. And I think after watching you play a ton in high school and college, I think it, it's just great to see. And I'm not surprised that your continued success at the professional level. But I want to take our listeners back, much like we've done with all of our other guests. I think people look at Steve Vistoria 
killing it at St. Joe's and killing it at Notre Dame. And I don't know if they look at all the stuff that went into it. As a fan of the game, we look at the finished product often. So we want to kind of bring our okay. list back. Um, so yeah. growing up, you were a sport family. Your mom played basketball at Dickinson. Your dad played baseball and football at Penn. Can you give us a little insight into kind of what your childhood was like as, as it relates to sport? Totally. Yeah, you nailed it. Um, just sports all the time. Uh, growing up, like you said, you, you know, my older brother, um, I have a younger brother, Mike, and, and it was it was all sports all, all the time. And I think um, just like a ton of kids growing up, you play, you play whatever you can. And um, for us, you know, we played whatever, whatever was in season. I remember my dad always said, you know, when we asked him what his favorite sport was, uh, it was whatever season was going on. So that's kind of how I felt, you know, basketball in the, in the winter. Um, I played football, baseball, I remember playing soccer. So just playing, playing all the time. And I think my, my favorite memories, you know, from growing up were just, were just in the summertime, you know, we're not, we're not quite there yet, but you know, I'm home shooting outside on my, uh, my basket out front and you know we did that for hours and hours and, and having having two brothers to play with each and every day and um, competing with them are, are some of the the best and uh, the funniest memories that I'll have um, and some of the fondest memories and and being here it's kind of uh, it's crazy because I'm, I'm you know I'm at my parents house and um, you know shooting on that hoop and just thinking about all those fun times I had and and I think that that really shaped me into um, you know, the player that I became and, um, you know, the person as well. Oh, I love that. And, you know, your parents are great people and they raise great boys. I don't, I met your younger brother once. Um, is he in the mm -hmm. house, house? Are you playing one-on-one -on -one against him or is he not living in the house? Uh, he's in the house too. He was, um, so he's, he was a senior at Maryland. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately his season, he's a baseball player and, and obviously their season was canceled. Um, so that's tough for him, but, you know, we're still, uh, you know, working out in the morning together and, um, you know, playing whatever we can. So it's, you know, it's honestly been great to uh, be home and spend some time with him. That's awesome, man. So when you get to the prep, you're a freshman. You know, you said you played a ton of sports growing up. Did you just play basketball at the prep or did you play other sports? I did. Yeah, I just played basketball, um, which, you know, I didn't really expect. I, I assumed I was going to play baseball. And, um, you know, kind of after the, the my freshman basketball season ended, um, you know, obviously I was just, I was super into it and, um, I knew I had a chance to play AAU ball. So I just, I decided I was just going to stick, uh, stick with basketball. Yeah. Now when you were a freshman, did you play varsity? Uh, yeah, I did. I, I played varsity. Um, you know, we had a pretty good team. You know, I, I was fortunate to, to get some minutes and, and contribute a little bit. Obviously, um, you know, I really didn't expect to, to be playing varsity going in but you know it worked out that way and I'm, I'm super grateful that I got that opportunity and it, it really helped me to get that experience obviously going forward. Yeah absolutely um, so you have a solid freshman year playing with some some great players um, did they win the Catholic League your freshman year did you guys win it? No no we lost in uh, we lost in the semifinal to Newman I believe um, at the Palestra but yeah you know really good team um, you know, we had a, a couple of seniors who, who went on to play in college and um, obviously guys that I looked up to and, and, and learned a lot from, um, you know, being so young and being around them every single day. Yeah. And then so you, you get through your freshman year and you said you played AAU. I know you played with the Jersey Shore Warriors. Did you play with them all four years? I did. Yeah, that was the first year that I played with them. Um, 
you know, I remember I went to a tryout at, uh, I want to say Cabrini College in the, in, uh, in the spring. And, um, you know, obviously I have nothing but good things to say about the Warriors and they've had so many good players go through. And I, I remember I went to this tryout and I think it was Kyle McElarney from Notre Dame was there and Matt Carroll was there because um, they had both had played there. And obviously there was the older guys from the team already, but just to be able to play pickup with them and, um, you know, see, you know, these are two guys who played in their name and two guys who are obviously really, really good players. So to go to a tryout there and um, get to play pickup with them, you know, I was pretty sold on uh, being able to uh, play basketball in the summer for a program like that. Yeah, and I think it's it's interesting, too, that we actually had Pat Carroll on two days ago, uh, Matt's younger brother. Okay. And yeah, yeah. There's just a rich tradition, you know, with, with Jersey Shore Warriors, uh, not only the players that, that have played the NBA in a high-level college, but also the brand of basketball. You know, when I was coaching, I only coached for a little bit at, at Ursinus for two years, but when I was coaching there, they, um, I used to love just watching the Jersey Shore Warriors for the brand of basketball. Um, played the right way. They played for each other. And you were a big piece of that. And you fit really well into that. And, um, you know, in, in a landscape of AAU where you go to a gym and there's six, seven different courts, although we weren't recruiting anyone, I found myself gravitating towards that court just to watch you guys play because it's just such a great brand of basketball, selfless basketball, but, you know, very talented players as well. Exactly. Kind of like you said, I mean, that's that's what I was drawn to immediately. I think, um, you know, there's a ton of great uh, AU programs in, in this area because there's a ton of great players. But um, I think that they really fit me the best. And, um, you know, Coach Sagona and the guys who run the program over there do an awesome job of, um, you know, kind of like college and recruiting. They find guys that um, want to play the right way and um, have a pretty high basketball IQ and understanding of the game, which is, um, like you said, it makes for a, a really fun way to play and especially – in terms of AAU, you know, like you said, as a coach, it's it's not extremely common to see a team play like that. So I think uh, coaches all over the place were kind of, you know, they would see it and they, they might be a little surprised and they'd be drawn to it. And, you know, then you then you want to watch and you see and you see guys and get the exposure um, that you're looking for. Yeah, no, it was it was a perfect formula for success for not only the players, but the program. And, you know, when you're beating teams that have seven guys that are going to play, you know, high-level collegiate basketball and professional basketball. It was just – it was a fun sight to see. Um, so, obviously, that transitioned into some confidence, you know, in having a, a great sophomore year. You were first-team All-Catholic as a sophomore. Can you talk about maybe some challenges that sophomore year, playing a bigger role on a big – in a big stage on a good team in a very good league? Do you remember kind of anything that you could touch on as far as maybe some challenges or hurdles? Yeah, there were definitely challenges, I think, especially that freshman year. Um, you know, I'm lucky, like I said, I was lucky to get some, get a lot of chances to play as a freshman, which, um, you know, when I had to have a bigger role as a sophomore, there there weren't as many, um, you know, challenges. I think as a freshman, uh, you know, the biggest thing for me was just, just self-confidence. Um, I knew um, that, that I was a, you know, I put in the work and I knew that I was a, a good player, but that jumped from grade school basketball to high school basketball, especially for me, you know, you're the, I think a 14 year old kid as a freshman. Yeah. Um, you know, you're, you're kind of afraid to make a mistake, especially um, since you're going to be playing, playing varsity and uh, you don't want to make a mistake. You don't want to step on anybody's toes, but um, you know, I think I was able to work through that because, 
really the the coaches and like I mentioned before the the seniors on the team and the older guys on the team um, you know they let me play through my mistakes they uh, encouraged me to get better and I think you know once I rolled into my sophomore year um, you know I didn't have those self-confidence uh, you know things holding me back um, I learned a ton my freshman year um, and there were definitely ups and downs that year I mean obviously playing for Speedy um, you know to this day probably the best coach that I've ever had but you know, I never experienced playing for a guy like him, especially um, a guy who's not afraid to uh, to holler at you a little bit. Um, sure. You know, in, in grade school, you're not really getting that. You're the best guy on the court. You know, you're, um, I mean, not that I experienced, you're not really uh, being held accountable as much as you are. So, I mean, you know, freshman year, definitely battled some things where um, it really helped me to improve going into my sophomore year. Um, I remember my first, one of my first practices with Speedy, I, uh, you know, obviously we had a relationship up to that point and we've got to know each other really well. But um, one of those, one of those first practices, I, I was just, I was just having a really bad practice and turning the ball over and um, he, uh, he got upset and obviously lit into me a little bit. And, and that kind of was the first like wake up call, you know, and um, that this is, uh, you know, it's not great school anymore. And, but it was really good because, you know, you get that and um, you learn and, um, I'm really, I'm really thankful for that freshman year that I got the opportunities and um, it just, it really helped me kind of push me forward for that sophomore year and, and the rest of the, uh, my rest of my career there at prep. Yeah, no, there's some, so much great stuff to unpack for our listeners. And I think whether, you know, obviously Speedy's won a ton of games and, and he's done it the right way in a lot of different, in a lot of different ways. And everyone regards him as, as one of the best coaches in the history of the city. Um, but I think for our listeners, whether, you know, whether their coach, their middle school, their high school or college coach is as, um, you know, demonstrates as tough love as Speedy does. Can you maybe walk through maybe some strategies that you use to, um, you know, hear what coach was saying, but also still remain confident in your ability? Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough thing to navigate because someone like yourself who's very respectful of the coach wants to be able to do what they're asking him to do, but also, you know, play in a space of confidence. Yeah, for sure. I think it's um, it's probably one of the tougher things to do as an athlete is just um, be able to take criticism and um, kind of channel it into helping you succeed and, and to learn. And I think, you know, that's it's needed, you know, at every level. You know, if you're going to be successful, um, you're going to get things wrong. And, and as a as a player that if you want to be successful, you got to want to be coached, right? And, uh, and And you don't know everything. And I think the first thing with Speedy was that a guy who has this track record and who's had so much success, um, you're not going to really question what he says. So um, I think sometimes some players, depending on your coaches, um, you know, maybe if you don't really agree or if you don't respect what he says, um, it's going to be hard for you to completely buy in. But obviously as a, as a young kid, you, you have so much to learn. And especially from a guy with that pedigree, um, you know, I just try to take everything and, um, remember that he was just trying to help me be the best player that I could be but it, you know it's not easy like you said and um, I think that's what having a good good support system good assistant coaches around you who um, you know maybe if you get out at um, for one play somebody pull you aside and, and talk to you about you know what the actual message is because at the end of the day especially um, you know with the best coaches uh, the message is uh, the message is right and they're and they're gonna um, you know, be honest with you, but they're going to do what's best for you and what's best for the team. And, um, you know, I think for some players, it's, 
it's motivating and it helps them to improve. And in other situations, it's difficult to get past the, um, you know, the tough love, like you said. And, uh, but I think like everything, you know, it's a learning process. Um, you got to gain that relationship with your coach. And, um, you know, I think what you trust, trust the guy who's, uh, who's teaching you, um, it's a lot easier to take, you know, take, uh, find the positives in, in what he's teaching you. Yeah, no, that's great advice and, and great perspective. Obviously, you were able to do it, you know, very well at that level and, um, you know, and have success at the prep. Um, what about outside of St. Joe's prep workouts and practices? You know, you talked about working out with your brothers uh, in the backyard, but there, everything is nowadays is so structured and was, and was definitely more structured when you played than when I played. But what did it look like, like your workout or training process look like when you weren't with your guys at the prep? Yeah, outside of the prep, um, you know, it's funny you say that, how everything now is so structured. And um, I'm sure it was different when you were a player compared to when I was in high school compared to now. Um, because even when I was in high school, they, I mean, there really was, there was no structure. I uh, I kind of just did this. I've always done the same thing. And, um, you know, when I was in grade school to high school and even to now, you know, and that was just getting outside, getting to a hoop. Um, you know, at that time, I didn't really have um, a gym to get to on a daily basis. And um, for me, it was, it was just about mostly getting shots up, um, whether that was whether I had somebody to rebound for me, whether I had um, my brother, or my parents or a teammate to, to work me out. But it was just kind of going out there and, and just working out on your own. And um, I think that's something that I, that I really enjoyed and I still try to do today. Um, you know, when I got to be a junior and senior, I got my license in high school, you know, I would be able to drive. I mean, the prep was about 45 minutes from my house. So um, it was tough to get to all the time. But, you know, workouts for me was just, um, you know, I kind of have a, a little notebook about, you know, how many shots I would want to get up in a certain day or what kind of shots. And um, I would keep track. And especially in the summers, um, that was pretty much every day. And it's something that, you know, as a player and, and as a, a coach, and sometimes it's it's a lot of fun to just be yourself out there, you know, without somebody telling you what to do. And I think that's when you can, you know, honestly uh, improve the most when you're being creative and you're, because um, you know what you need to improve on. You, you honestly don't always need somebody um, to tell you what drills to do or what or uh, uh, what things to work on. So for me at the prep, that, that's what it mostly was. You know, obviously we had workouts with, with Speedy and the assisting coaches, but you know, outside of that, it was a lot of fun to kind of just work on your game on your own. No, that's awesome stuff. And I really think that, you know, it provides a venue for ownership. You know, you talk about creativity and, and making things up and you knowing, you know, I think the best players are their own best coaches. And you alluded to the element of structure, like there's so much structure today and players at the high school, collegiate, middle school players think that they need a trainer and that they need an indoor gym and they need all this these extra props and stuff. And, you know, when, when people come to our workouts, I tell them, this is going to be very boring. We're going to shoot a lot, yeah. we're going to dribble a lot. There's not going to be all this other fluff. Um, but I think it's great for our listeners to hear, you know, arguably one of the best high school basketball players in, in our city worked out by himself on his own, kept a record of his shots and his work. And um, I think it's so important, the piece about ownership and making it yours, because, you know, we could tell our kids and, and our players to do, a million different things, but unless they truly take ownership of it and we empower them, it's, you're not going to see as, as the same amount of results. Um, Definitely. 
So that's awesome stuff, man. Um, so when looking back at those four years at the prep, obviously incredible, incredible run, incredible career. Uh, is there a game that sticks out? Um, while you were talking through your freshman year, I kind of vaguely remember, did you have 30 as a freshman in a big game or something? Um, uh, I don't think it was 30. It was in the 20s, but that was one of the more memorable games for me. Um, and kind of, you know, gave me the con- – we played at LaSalle um, late in my freshman year. Um, and we and I hadn't started throughout the year. So I was coming off the bench like sixth, seventh man. And um, I remember we had a guy who was, I think, injured. So I got the chance to start. And, you know, obviously prep LaSalle, huge rivalry. Um, kind of my first big game in a really big environment. And, um, yeah, I went out and I, I played really well. And talk about just um, – you know, seeing results to give you confidence. Um, that was, that was definitely a highlight of me for my career um, very early on. Yeah. I rem- and that's why I remember it. I know I'm going to get in a lot of trouble because you're the third prep guy we've had on here. We've had Matt Griffin, <laughs> Reggie Redding and being a LaSalle guy. Now your favorite memory is against LaSalle and I brought it up. Um, yeah. But, you got to get some explorers on. Dude, I got to get somebody on here. So <laughs> explorers that are listening, hit me up. We got to get you on here starting on Monday. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's awesome. And I just, I love the element of confidence because people ask us all the time, you know, how do you get confidence? And a lot of it comes from success. Um, you know, but success comes from being in your driveway and keeping a log and, and working out. Like that's, that's how you become successful. So it all goes hand in hand, um, you know, and, and especially in a big moment like that where it's always a packed house at LaSalle and at the prep and that yeah. was so special. Um, and, uh, you know, with, with respect to kind of the, the shape of your career, how do you feel like if you look at your freshman self and your senior self, is there anything that obviously your body changed, you put on weight and you got taller and stronger, but as far as your game goes, what do you think the biggest elements of growth were if you look back at those, the, those four years? Hmm. Yeah, that's a uh, great question. I would say, yeah, like you said, obviously just growing, um, you know, that comes with getting older, especially at that age, but, I think when I first got into the, the the prep my freshman year, you know, I had a pretty small role. I was, um, you know, supposed to knock down threes and, um, you know, pretty much hustle and try to make an impact that way. So I think when I look back from freshman to senior year, um, I would kind of say my more of an all-around game is, is kind of where it just improved. Um, you know, my senior year, I was playing a lot of point guard um so I had the ball in my hands a lot and um being able to make decisions you know we didn't run a ton of ball screens in high school but uh, having the ball in your hands for most of the game um is is somewhat something that I really had to improve on going from my freshman year to my senior year and um it made the game it made the game really fun if you're the guy who's making decisions and um whether that's scoring or passing but I think just um and that comes I think with you know, ball handling and having a better, better feel for the ball and a better feel for situations is, is probably where I improved the most. Yeah, no, that's great stuff. Um, and controllable elements, you know what I mean? Like anybody, I always tell people, anybody can be a great shooter and a great dribbler. Like, no, you weren't born with that stroke, you know? Um, mm-hmm. You weren't born with that handle. Like, it's, yeah. it takes a ton of work. Um, now, your senior year Catholic League championship, you guys lost to Newman, right? We did. Junior and senior year, we, we lost. Um, I think I was going to remember I went with your brother, either that may have been your junior or your senior year. Um, yeah, tough, tough memories there, but we lost in the, 
in the finals both years. And yeah, I mean, it's just incredible too. You look at some of those rosters and where those guys went. Can you speak to just the level of play in the Catholic League? And, you know, as we transition into your time at Notre Dame, how that, um, you know, how that provided experience for you? Like, did you feel like when you got to Notre Dame, you were kind of battle tested playing in such a great league? Yeah, I did. You know, Catholic League, I think, can match up with, you know, pretty much every or any any league in the entire country. And um, like you kind of just said, the amount of um, really good players on each team um, is crazy when you look at it. And even now, and, um, you know, I, I still try to follow along um, the prep and, you know, just guys in Philly. And every year you see, um, you know, players going on to big time schools and having a lot of success. But um, as a kid coming from, from New Jersey growing up, I didn't, I didn't know a ton about the Catholic League. You know, I, most kids from my area only would go to St. Joe's Prep or schools in New Jersey. So I didn't know a ton about it. But, you know, that freshman year, getting to see um, how passionate the, the fans and the schools were about their teams and um, the, the legendary coaches that were in the league. And um, each game is, uh, you know, it sounds like a cliche, but each, each game was, you know, really, really tough in the league. You know, you didn't really have many cupcakes. And um, I think just the, the brand of basketball, you think about Philadelphia and just tough players. And I really, I really had to, to grow and, um, you know, be, you have to be tough in, in those games against these kind of teams. So, uh, yeah, the Catholic League is incredible. Um, you know, each year you, you just kind of see more and more players and the league gets deeper and deeper, but um, I think it really did prepare me because you're playing against the top, the top talent, in not just the city, but all, you know, in the state. Mm, yeah. Yeah. It's uh, like you said, there's never a night off and there's certainly not never a night off for the best player in the league, you know, that, you know, what you were for, for most of your career. Um, and in transitioning in Notre Dame, before we get to Notre Dame, can you talk a little bit about your recruitment? Like, what are the three schools you were looking at? And, you know, when did yeah. you, you know, why did you decide on Notre Dame? Yeah, my recruitment was, it, it went pretty smoothly. It went pretty fast. I, I really didn't, I really didn't like recruiting at all. Um, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't really, um, I don't know how to say it, but I, I just, I didn't love all the, the phone calls and the text and everything. And um, so I, I committed to Notre Dame, my, uh, junior year before before the season started so I was just so excited to get it out of the way and um, kind of when I got kind of when I started playing and, and thinking of schools you know Notre Dame was um, at the top of my list but you know it came down to them um, you know I visited Virginia and Villanova and Notre Dame all within about probably two months of that that fall and that summer um, and and also Temple those were like the four schools that I was um, that I was really into, um, and I, you know, I don't think I could have made a wrong choice. Obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled about uh, the choice I did make, but, you know, all those schools are, you know, incredible, and, um, you know, Temple was close to home. I think that was one that I had in my mind, and Coach Dumpy was there, who's, um, you know, obviously a, a legend um, yeah. in Philly, but, um, yeah, a lot of similar schools, and, and, and I was really looking for um, kind of like, you know, the Jersey Shore Warriors, like we talked about, a school that would fit um, not just me as a as a player, but as a coach. Uh, I mean, as a student, not a coach. And, uh, I, you know, I, I I think I found that. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely was a great decision and it worked out for you. I remember when – I remember talking to Martin Inglesby when you committed um, 
you know, and how excited they were and uh, every right, right to be excited. Um, when you get to Notre Dame, um, can you talk a little bit about uh, some, some hurdles or roadblocks in the transition phase from kind of doing absolutely everything at a very high level for the prep, um, you know, as a freshman, so, some roadblocks that you faced or challenges? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, getting there, um, you know, I think it's similar to high school in terms of that transition where, uh, once again, you're, you know, the youngest guy, you're probably not as, um, you know, filled out physically. Um, and, it's, and it's a big jump from the high school to, to playing in the ACC. And my freshman year, um, probably for the first, um, the first two months or so, I, two months of the season, you know, I wasn't really playing a bunch. Um, you know, we had a, we had a pretty good team that year. And, um, so, you know, I, I didn't get a ton of minutes and then about halfway through the season, we had one of our better players, um, unfortunately was, um, suspended for the rest of the year. Um, and that kind of, uh, really hurt the rest of our season. But for me, it really, um, it was really beneficial for my, you know, development, and like we talked about before confidence, cause you know, we needed another guard and, and I started to play a ton of minutes and, um, you know, I, I didn't have a, I didn't have a great year, but I got the experience and, um, I, I learned what it was like to play at that level and, um, having coach Bray kind of say, you know what, you know, we're, we're kind of low on numbers and, um, you're going to get a chance to play a lot and play a lot of minutes and play through your mistakes. Um, that was huge for me. And, um, you know, I think it really gave me that, um, the confidence in knowing, you know, I could play in the ACC and at this level um for the rest of my career now would you say that coach bray was similar to speedy or different than speedy obviously every coach is different but when you look back on your four years at notre dame what are some things that stand out uh playing for for coach bray yeah i think they're um they're definitely very different in, in the way they coach but the one thing that they that they have in common and i always um you know really appreciate it is you know how honest they were um you know, they might have gone about it in different ways, but, you know, they would tell you what they want and, and how they want it to be done because um, that's because that's what's given them success in the past. And um, they're both extremely honest. But Coach Bray um, has an unbelievable ability to, you know, let his players, um, you know, play through mistakes and uh, kind of instill confidence in them. And uh, I think as a fan or as a just a spectator, if you watch him on the sidelines and watch how um, – you know, he always talks about being one of the loosest coaches in America, but he really is. And, and he has just as much fun as a coach on the sideline as the players on the game. So I remember as a player just looking over there and, and we're in a, a battle versus, um, you know, North Carolina or Duke and he's laughing or he's smiling. <laughs> and that's just, I mean, you don't really, you don't see that in college basketball or any, or any sport to be honest. So, um, I mean, that as a player, just to play for him, I think he was the ultimate player's coach. Um, you know, the one the one thing about him in, in terms of uh, more basketball specifics that is just I had never experienced before and to this day is just so different was, um, you know, kind of his offense philosophy and how, um, you know, he gets guys that understand the game and um, have a high basketball IQ. But, you know, if you watch – if you're watching every day and play at all, they're not running a ton of plays on offense. We, you don't have a ton of sets. Um, we play uh, a ton of five on five in practice, um, a ton of five on O in practice, which, um, 
you know, I think allows the players to get a feel for uh, their teammates and how they play or um, what their, uh, what their tendencies are. So when you get on the court, um, you know who you're playing with and you don't have to come down and call a play every single time, you know, you run five out. and um, It's a really fun way to play. And um, I still watch him today and, and see that. And it's really fun because um, for 20 years, he's gotten um, similar players and guys who know the game and he's had a ton of success. Yeah, it's it's interesting. And I kind of felt like Jersey Shore Warriors played a lot like that too, where it's more like structuralist five out, re-react, you know, space the floor, yeah. you know, pick and roll, dribble handoff stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, super similar. And I think, you know, and that is a little more common, I guess I would say, in AAU because you don't have – you're not practicing all year. and um, So, but to do that at the college level and um, to find the right guys and to make sure they're – and um, they understand how you want to play was – I thought it was really impressive and, and a really fun way to play. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, people talk about a player-led team versus a coach-led team, and, and his name gets brought up all the time. And, you know, obviously hearing your firsthand experience here um, crystallizes that. And I think when you – like you said, when you watch him on the sideline, when you see him in a press conference, and, and even just in huddles, like he just – he allows for a sense of ownership and empowerment for the players, which I think ultimately – you're going to get more out of people, not even just sport, but just in general, you're going to get more out of people doing that. Exactly. He, he's, I mean, such an awesome guy and being able to, you know, still talk to him today. And, um, you know, the, like you said, the way he allows his players to, to have a voice, I think is even rare, you know, in, in huddles and in practices, film sessions, whatever it is, you know, obviously he's, he's the coach and, and, you know, they're drawing up the game plans and whatnot, but he wants the input. He wants guys to, um, let them know what they see on the court. And, um, you know, he uses those things, which, you know, other guys see that and younger guys see that and they have the confidence to, um, you know, chime in or give, give their two cents as well. Yeah, no, I think it works. It works well in a lot of different settings. Um, when you look back at your, at your four years there and uh, you had a ton of huge games, you had a ton of huge shots and pivotal moments. Um, but when you just look at individual performance, like your best individual game, um, is there a game yeah. that sticks out? Hmm. Yeah, I would say um, it might not be my uh, best, but I think the most fun game. Um, we played Louisville at home um, my senior year, and you know they were they came in ranked top top ten, I think, and um, you know I had a bucket to put us up by five with like twenty seconds to go, kind of kind of seal the game and. Um, it was just one of those games where we had a, a great crowd. I think it was a Saturday afternoon game, which, uh, was always, which I always enjoyed. And, um, you know, I think being able to play against those, you know, blue blood type of programs and to perform in those, uh, you know, that's one that really sticks out. And, um, it was a really big win for our team, especially in that part of the season, because I remember we were struggling a little bit and to get that win kind of. Uh, push us forward for the our little NCA tournament run to get us in. And that so, was senior? Yeah, that, that's yeah. one that sticks out. Yeah. It's funny. When I was at Ursinus for two years coaching, I also taught a uh, – they, they have a coaching major. It's in, like, the exercise sports department. So I, I taught a coaching okay. class. And your brother was in the class. And Mike Marciano was in the class. And they had yeah. laptops up. And I, I don't know what we're doing. It was a really fun class. It was a three-hour night class, though. We rarely, okay. Yeah, yeah. We rarely uh, went the whole three hours, but I was walking up and down the, the aisles at one point, 
and they got your game on. And um, I said to them, you know, what am I going to say to these guys? You know, watch the game, right. have some fun. Totally. Um, yeah. yeah, you got to let them watch that. Got to. Uh, they, they were great. Um, so anyway, the, it's, it's great performance. And I think it says a lot about you, you know, because it's about the team and it's about winning and it's about the, those kind of memories. Um, is when you look back, is there a player that you remember playing against that, that is the best player ever played, you know, in your, in your four years? Yeah, I was thinking about this and there's a, there's a lot of guys, um, you know, that we, that we played against when, you know, now I turn on my TV and they're tearing it up in, in the NBA. So um, from that perspective, it's really cool to, to see that. But um, one that really sticks out is probably uh, in the tournament when we played Kentucky, Carl Anthony Towns just, you know, he just dominated. And, um, yeah, he was, you know, it was like he was on a, on a whole other level. Um, and he's, he showed that today. But uh, I was just thinking about some of the guards that, you know, were in the league and, um, you know, Donovan Mitchell was at Louisville and, um, to see what he was doing, you know, he was awesome. And you kind of always saw that there, but, um, you know, one of my teammates, uh, when I was a sophomore, um, Jaron, Jaron Grant was, um, you know, first team all ACC and, you know, he's still probably to this day, the best player that I've played with, um, uh, just as a complete player, but yeah, there's so many good players, you know, um, the Kentucky team that I, I think about, you know, Devin Booker was coming off the bench. You know, he, he wasn't even starting. And um, obviously he's, <laughs> he's an incredible player. But um, like I said, it's, it's crazy when you look at the list of guys from these teams and then you, you know, you see their success now. So the, the level of competition, I think, in the league uh, that year and those couple of years, I guess, was, was extremely high. Yeah. I mean, you're a very humble person, you know, but do you look back – you know, I had fun uh, last night looking at your stats and looking at all your accomplishments and, you know, second player in Notre Dame history to score 1,000 points, 300 assists, and shoot over 85. I mean, you had just had an incredible career. You look back at your career and, and kind of pinch yourself and say, man, that was just an incredible time. Yeah, uh, all the time, I think, because most of the time I'm wishing I was still there um, <laughs> and still playing and, and, and being a student there. But, no, I think after I graduated, I – um, especially, um, you know, when you have some downtime or even being overseas, when you have all this time on your hands, you think about you know, how much fun it was playing, um, you know, playing at Notre Dame and playing in these unbelievable venues. And, um, you know, I was lucky. I was on teams that were really, really good. You know, I, it's, it doesn't happen all the time. So, um, I mean, I had such a great time playing there and, um, I said it earlier, but I'm, uh, I couldn't really have imagined myself at any other place because, you know, it was the perfect fit for me. It gave me a chance to, um, have a lot of success, um, not just as an individual, but as a player. And, um, most importantly, I mean, the relationships that I made, the, the teammates that I had are still some of my best friends and gosh, we talk about it. Um, you know, we were sitting at home the other night and they had, uh, they had a replay of, uh, the game we had in the elite eight against Kentucky and, and we lost. And obviously that was heartbreaking to watch for a second time, but um, <laughs> that really just kind of brought up, you know, how fun it was to play there and um, think about all the people that made, had such a big impact on me. And, um, you know, some of the moments like the Louisville game that I mentioned or, um, you know, winning the ACC tournament and 
um, all of those things. So yeah, I mean, I find myself doing it, doing it a lot, and I'm sure even as I get older, I'll be, uh, I'll be thinking about it and probably talking about it even more. Yeah, no doubt. Well, you've earned those memories, man. And uh, you talk about those NBA players that you played against, um, and and in looking at what you did in those four years, your body of work, you know, you're not far off. You weren't far off. And, and you know, you can play in the NBA, you know, like if you, the year after you graduate and even right now, like there's players in the NBA that, that are, are there because they just incredible timing. And the GM was looking at that person at that time, you know, you're just, you're not far off from an NBA player at the latter part of your senior year. Obviously you had a tryout with the Sixers and a couple other different NBA looks um were you was were you thinking like I'm definitely going to play in the NBA or was it kind of all what were you thinking yeah I I didn't really know I was pretty open-minded to everything at that point when when I finished uh finished my career um the only thing I really knew was you know I wanted to keep playing um whether that was here or whether that was somewhere in Europe or, or anywhere that was that was an obvious uh first thing that was on my mind I wanted to keep playing and I knew that I had done enough in college to at least give myself a chance and to have some looks in the NBA. And, um, and I had, I think, I think five uh, workouts with uh, NBA teams. And I mean, those were just awesome experiences to, um, to be able to go there and, um, you know, perform in front of the coaches and GMs and in their facilities, you know, it was just an awesome experience. And, you know, I think I did pretty well for the most part. Um, you know, when you talk about guys that I played against and um, I think looking at them, that's obviously obviously the goal. You know, you want to play in the NBA. That's the highest level as a basketball player. I'm sure you did as well. You know, as a as a kid, that's where you want to be. So, um, but for me, when I think about the chance to obviously still make money and play hoops and, um, you know, uh, and get a chance to play overseas has been has been awesome for me. But yeah, that's the NBA is for any basketball player, any athlete uh, is to play at the highest level. And, um, you know, that's always the dream, no matter you know what age you are, I think. Absolutely. Now, are you still doing like some NBA summer league stuff or is it just kind of, have you been just overseas hanging a summer back overseas? What is, what does that look like? Yeah. The last two summers I, I've just, um, you know, I finished my season and, um, you know, the, the summers are pretty short and, yes. um, so I know I haven't played summer league. I think that's, I think it's something that I, um, you know, I want to do and, um, you know, kind of um, not just, you know, check off the bucket list, but, you know, get there and give myself a shot and get more eyes on you and stuff like that. But no, I, I definitely enjoy coming home in the summer and just enjoying the time off for, um, you know, I think last year it was a month and a half, maybe close to two months and um, kind of just gearing up for the next year. Yeah. Um, and, and so your first year was Germany and that was Alba, Alba Berlin. Yeah. Yeah. My first year was in Germany. Um, the summer after I graduated, I had those, uh, I had had those handful of workouts and then I broke my foot in, uh, just working out on my, like playing pickup. And, um, so I missed out on like summer league that year and I didn't, I wasn't able to sign with the team until the, um, I think it was the, the beginning of January and um you know I signed with Alba Berlin who um you know is a very good team in Germany um and it was a I mean looking back it was a really 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 good experience for me um to kind of see how one of the one of the better and top organizations in Europe runs and 
um, you know, the level, the level of play that it is. And um, yeah, I mean, I think that year we made the, we made the finals in Germany and um, I mean, it was a top class organization. Yeah. They're they're definitely well-known for a long time. Who were some of the other Americans on that team? They had, and still today they have probably their two best players, Peyton Siva from Louisville, the point guard, and um, Luke Sigma, who uh, obviously his dad is um, very well known, but he played, uh, I think he played at Portland in college, and then he's had an incredible career in overseas, and he's been with them for, um, I think, four or five years now. That's awesome. And then last year you were at Palencia, right? Yeah, yeah. So I was in Spain uh, with Palencia, which uh, you told me you know pretty well as a fellow uh, a fellow player there. Yeah, not um, much going on in that city, huh? No, no. That was a big um, a big adjustment for me there. Um, but it, you know, it turned out really good. I think um, going to Spain and going to Palencia, um, it was a really. It ended up being a really, really good opportunity. I got a chance to you know, play a ton. I've got a chance to play point guard and kind of have my, have the ball in my hands a lot. Um, not a ton to do in the city, um, but it, uh, we actually had, a, we had a pretty good team and, and a bunch of good dudes on the squad. So um, were, they in the, were they in the ACB? No. So they were in, I think it's, it's called lead gold. So yeah, the, that's what it was when I was there. Lead. Yeah. So yeah, so second, yeah. So second in, in uh, Spain, um, but, uh, yeah, it, it, looking back, it was great for, um, probably my, you know, development and, um, a little bit of a culture shock going from Berlin, but, um, you know, it, it was, it was a really good year. You speak Spanish? I speak very little Spanish. Um, okay. I tr- uh, un poquito, yes. Um, but looking back that I do wish I try to learn the language a little bit more, but, um, it was always funny. I mean, even we had two coaches that year. The first coach uh, ended up getting fired in, um, I think, February when we were struggling. And, you know, he spoke English really well, but then they, we brought in a new coach and he barely spoke English. And I'm sure a ton of players can attest to playing for a coach who doesn't really speak the language. So you're in the huddles and um, there, you know, guys on the team are translating for you. And, um, he can he can't communicate with you, so um, that was uh, always an interesting experience. Yeah, dude, we I actually had the, a, a similar experience. We had a Spanish coach that didn't speak any English for the first part of the year, and then we got back from Christmas break. We come back, I think we had like three days off, and we went. A lot of us went home. I went home for three days. I'll never forget. I came back. Yeah, a new coach um, who spoke great English had a great reputation, but. Uh, let all the imports go and brought all new imports back. So I came back like ready to rock and boom, I'm gone a week later. And oh my God. Uh, but Palencia, you know, similar to Poland, not many English speakers, which I like because then I, it really forced me to learn the language and figure it out. And, you know, um, it really does. Negative, but yeah. Yeah, um, it really does. But um, yeah, you get those couple of days. Um, I had that this year. I think we had four days off. I mean, anything more than like two days, you're thinking about getting that flight home. No uh, doubt. We had it in our contract too. So we had the flights, four flights in our contract. So I'm like, I'm using this. Yeah. Oh, you got to use them. Yeah, yeah. That's so funny. Um, and then this past year, you go back to Germany. Yeah, back to Germany. And um, 
Um, you know, it's funny, I actually end up playing the coach of Germany um, is a, is a Spanish guy, the coach of Rastavecta in Germany um, is a Spanish guy from Spain. Um, and I mean, it's a shame the season obviously got cut short. Um, but so, so far it was, you know, a pretty successful season. You know, we got to play in obviously the German league and then uh, we played in European competition in, in the Champions League and uh, we were doing really well. And um, it was cool because, you know, as you know, in Spain, they kind of have, I would say when you go from country to country, the leagues, um, you know, the style of play is a little bit different. Obviously it's, you know, it's still basketball, but um, I think the way they play in Spain is, um, it's a really fun style of basketball, um, really talented players. Um, I think the way they teach the game and the fundamentals, um, you know, turn out really good players. So we had a, a Spanish coach and um, a lot of the things that we did just in terms of, you know, offensively and defensively, um, we did in Palencia. So um, that really helped me to kind of integrate pretty early and um, show what I can do uh, from the start. That's cool, man. That's great. You're on a team that plays in the Euro Cup. Um, who are some of the Americans on your on your Germany team? Uh, we had, we, I think we had five or six, which was nice compared to, um, you know, Spain, where you're only allowed to have two. But um, we had uh, this Max DeLeo, who's actually from yeah, from uh, Temple. From yeah, so um, so he was from my area, which is great. And then we had. Uh, Kamari Murphy, who's a guy who played at Yenton College, who went to Miami. Um, a guy by the name of Ish Wainwright, who went to Baylor. Um, so we had a yeah, handful of Americans, all good guys, good players. Um, and, you know, being having a bunch of Americans on the team rather than, um, you know, just you and another guy was actually um, really nice to um, kind of get through the days and get through uh, a full season. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, it's a shame it got cut short, um, but obviously being on a good team, being on the Euro Cup now, do you think you'll go back to that same team or are you looking at different things? Yeah, I, I probably won't go back to the same team, I would say. I mean, you never know, but, um, you know, hopefully uh, once this is all figured out, I know a lot of the, the leagues are still not, uh, I mean, Germany's still not even completely canceled. Um, you know, they're still trying to figure out a way to finish this season, but I guess once that's all over, we can kind of start figuring out what what's up for next year and um, where where we'll be headed. Yeah, it's it's crazy too. Like, I mean, this is affecting all walks of life. I actually was talking to my, I had a Spanish agent, Fabio Spinella, um, mm -hmm. I was him yesterday. I, I give him players each year or try to recommend players each year, and he yeah. said in Leb Gold they're going they might be going down to one American because of the economic crisis with with the pandemic. Yeah, just and uh, I mean that's crazy, but um, especially with the NBA draft and um, no summer league, I'm sure it's going to be very different in terms of signing players. And um, yeah, I'm sure the landscape will look a lot a lot different uh, probably next year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this is all great stuff, brother. I really appreciate it. Um, before we do get off. Um, being a shoot to make podcast, we did talk about shooting a little bit throughout the course of the, uh, of the episode yeah. here, but I, I do want to get your, your talk, your sense of, you know, like when I would shoot the basketball, I would try to connect my mind to my body. And I would think just about one or two things about my hands and the motion. Um, when you're training or practicing, is that something that your mind's present or are you just kind of 
shooting it and, and letting it fly? Yeah, I would say that I, I'm, I'm really not thinking uh, a ton. I guess when, um, you know, the one probably main thing I would focus on shooting wise is um, I always wanted to make sure I was shooting the same way every time. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I never got too, you know, technical with uh, my shot. Obviously, um, you know, trying to, you know, the fundamentals and, and stick to that. But, um, you know, each time I go shoot or get in the gym, I, that's kind of what I'm focusing on. And just making sure I'm, you know, shooting the same shot every time, whether it's, um, you know, mid-range, threes, free throws. Um, that's what's always worked for me. Um, and I think, you know, obviously with shooting, it's it's different for everybody. And um, the shooting the same thing every time and just getting up the reps because you look at the successful shooters, um, you know, they, nobody has the same shot, right? And um, as long as you're um, putting the work in, and I guess getting as much much reps as possible, and shooting with the way you're comfortable with, then you know, I think most likely you're you're going to be pretty successful. That's kind of how I've always looked at it. Yeah, it's great advice. I mean, everybody's bodies work differently, and everyone's form is a little different. It's funny you and your brother suit pretty similarly as far as technical and and form and yeah. stuff coming out of yeah. the muscles. Your dad was doing something right. Uh, right, right. Yeah, and I was probably trying to emulate him, and yeah, uh, I wanted to be like him. So um, I'm trying to shoot like he did. But besides, yeah, brothers, family, Mandy, um, you're probably not going to have the same shot as anybody. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then what about, like, we talked about confidence a lot here, and just, like, as far as mental training and mental toughness, is there anything that you have done? We've had some incredible, successful players on our podcast that really never did anything. And, you know, it's not a prerequisite for success, but like before a game, is there something that you could share with our listeners that you typically do, whether it's in the locker room or whether it's in your, you know, your house, your apartment before you go to a game or, or things that you do from a mental standpoint? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not really. I, I wish I, I wish I had something, uh, some gold for the listeners, but <laughs> um, like you said about the other players, I never really did anything specific. Um, I think the the one thing is just, um, you know, before games or, um, you know, maybe, you know, driving to the gym or in the locker room, you know, sometimes I'll think about, um, you know, previous games where I played really well, just basic stuff like that or games where I shot the ball really well. Um, but that's pretty much all that I've, I've really done in terms of, um, you know, visualization stuff because, um you know it's it's really nothing i i really knew much about but i don't think it can hurt to uh you know look back and 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 think about you know the positives in your career and and what you did that game maybe or um games where you felt felt great and played really well i think that can only help yeah absolutely the past success and feeling that past success i I know when i was playing these sometimes i would watch short little one two minute highlights of myself playing before a game just to kind of get that image in my mind yeah. feel good about yeah it. definitely to see yourself and um it's definitely something i've done to see yourself um you know knocking down shots even if you're you know you're going through a slump or you're struggling um mm-hmm. just to watch a film from the game where you know you shot the ball really well because um like you know all sports you have a couple bad games here and there um but you know if you have one or two in a row um you know your confidence is probably going to take a little bit of a hit so to see to see yourself, you know, having a really good game is, is something that will be pretty helpful, I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, man. At the end of every show, we have a couple quick hitters uh, that I'm going to ask you, and then we will let you go. So the first quick hitter, 
Uh, favorite yeah. basketball sneaker that you've ever worn? Favorite basketball sneaker? Ooh, um, favorite basketball sneaker is probably the uh, Kyrie, like Nikes. Um, it's crazy it sounds. I've never worn Nike shoes until this year. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, throughout high school and college, never had them. But I, I got some this year, and I probably got three or four pairs this year. So, um, the Kyrie Nike shoes. Nice. Favorite song right now? I know your brother's a big country guy, but what's your favorite song right now? Favorite song right now? This is going to, uh, I'll be surprised if anybody knows this song, but my favorite song right now is um, Lawyers, Guns, and Money by Warren Zevon, a big time throwback. It is, man. I know that song. I know that song. Yeah, there you go. It's got a great chorus to it. Um, it does. It does. I never knew that. Uh, I actually, I didn't even know who Warren Zevon was until about a week ago. And then, um, I mean, I, I like country music, like my brother and uh, rock and roll, obviously, like Springsteen and stuff. And yeah, I, I heard a couple of this guy's songs and kind of what I've been listening to. He'd be classified as classic rock, I would say, right? Yeah, I think so. I yeah. think so. Yeah. Awesome, man. Uh, if I asked your teammates, give me one or two words that describe Steve Vistoria, what would they say? One or two words. Well, yeah, hopefully I think they would say, I mean, what I think they would say and what I hope they would say might be different, but um, <laughs> I hopefully they would say uh, hardworking and, and honest. Um, I think those are probably two things that I always try to be, um, you know, work as hard as I can and, and just be as straight up and honest with, you know, teammates and people in my life as I can be. No doubt, man. I could see that. I got two more for you. What's one thing nobody knows about you? One thing nobody knows about you. Uh, yes. Uh, one thing um, is that I grew up playing the guitar. Um, took guitar lessons as a kid. Um, I don't take the lessons anymore, but it's something. I also took piano lessons, but guitar is something that I always enjoyed. And, um, you still kind of stu kind of stuck with. Um, not as much as I want to, but it's. Uh, it's that's probably something that I mean nobody really knows. Does does that guitar get on the plane overseas with you? No, no chance, huh. no chance. <laughs> <laughs> don't like it that much. Got it, got it. Um, yeah. Last but not least, uh, you don't have a crystal ball, but but where do you see Steve Astori in five years? Five years from now, um, I I think there's a you know chance I'm still playing hoops. Um, I know I have a couple years left in me, but um five years you never know if not if not playing basketball hopefully you know back in philly or or the philly area um i would say putting the the college degree to use and um working in the area and, and just being around friends and family nice nice well awesome man i really appreciate you uh taking out some time here i think this is some great insight and perspective for our listeners and um, I'm hoping and praying this thing ends. Maybe you get back over and finish that, that season in uh, Germany. Yeah, man. No, this was a lot of fun. Uh, I'm glad you had me on. I'm looking forward to listening to the others. Obviously, you had some, some great people on here. So uh, this is great. So thank you so much. You got it, man. Give, give my best to your family. Absolutely. All right. Stay safe. See you. All right. See ya.